Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. I'm Clint Emerson, and welcome to Season 2 of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Welcome to another episode of Can You Survive This Podcast, where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenario I put my victims through. Today, we've got a very special guest, a badass, a badass that was in the last book, 100 Daily Skills Combat Edition. He is probably most known for his basic dude stuff videos that have gone viral, and uh, I personally love them. I can't get enough of them. In fact, I watch them like three or four times each time, but my producers are good at putting together target packages, so let's see. Uh, let me go ahead and pull this out. Yeah, we're going to see what they dug up about old Pat. Ooh, it's almost a novel here. We'll see. And because I'm going blind, I'm going to go ahead and... All right. Wow, look at this. A lot of stuff about you in here, Pat. Okay, so Pat McNamara, retired Spec Ops, T-Max, Inc., which is tactics, marksmanship, adventure, concept, security, born in 65. What year is that vehicle? What year is that car you got? 65. 65. I knew that yep. matched up. <laughs> um this guy, Pat McNamara, spent 22 years in the United States Army in a myriad of special operations units. When he worked in a premier special missions unit, he became an impeccable marksmanship marksman, shooting with accurate, lethal results and tactical effectiveness. He retired from the Army's premier hostage rescue unit as a sergeant major. That's no easy feat. And has become a well-known expert in the tactical training and fitness, along with other social media influencer capabilities like the University of Badassery. He's got a podcast, University of Badassery. You also have a schoolhouse that you call your squad. Mm -hmm. um, we'll dig into that. And then, of course, he trains shooting and beyond to just about everyone to include law enforcement. And are you doing military guys as well? Absolutely. Yes. So now we've got T-Mac well uh, introduced here onto the show. Dude, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's awesome to have you here. It was awesome to have you part of Com Combat Edition. Uh, so thank you. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you, Clint. It was a real, it was, it was fun working on the uh, Deadly Skills Combat Edition. Uh, you guys did an awesome job, especially considering, you know, the, uh, you'd think that the amount of backside support that would go into that would be 
a dozen folks, but you traveled with like one guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I keep telling people, man, I don't even remember sleeping. It was 16 guys in 30 days. God, I, I got lucky because everyone was stuck at home. Now I wouldn't be able to re- replicate that. You know, here right. we are almost a year later and I would not be able to replicate that in that nope. amount of time. Mm-mm. But yeah, coast to coast, 11,000 miles. And man, to have, to have you a part of it was just an honor. Really was you. Uh, a lot of fun. I appreciate having uh, you know the opportunity to be a part of it. So yeah, and I've got Very a special cool. special because you are you're rare in in the in the in the in, in the fact that well you're rare. You're just a rare guy. Like I said, <laughs> you're like a WWE guy, a, a, a nice glass of bourbon wrapped up in the American flag. It's that's kind of how I describe the uh, <laughs> Pat McNamara. <laughs> I, I, I just like saying your name, Pat McNamara. Pat cool. McNamara. Um, I like the way you say it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you being in the book, great skills. Obviously, you uh, you know your shit. And on top of that, you uh, you entertain. And I think that's the key these days. Is if you're going to put out information, it has to be entertaining as well in order for it to become sticky and people actually get it, retain it, and recall it under stress, right? Absolutely. You've done a great job of that, man. It's awesome. Thank you, sir. Um, and because you appreciate artwork, I knew the book, you'd love it. Uh, but even more so, I have something special coming to you. Uh, you know, I'll mail it out as soon as I got it. You're going to dig all it. Right. Um, all right. Something you can hang on your wall. All right. Um, all right. So what did they dig up on you today? Let's see here. Oh, shit. Um, okay. So let's just dive right in. Does saying Delta Force out loud feel as weird as to you as saying SEAL Team 6 feels to me? Yep, absolutely. I I I I I never say it on like um interviews, podcasts. You know, if the guy mentions it, it's fine. Yeah. But ah, you know, I I just like like you just talk in generic terms. Yeah. You know, like yeah. use a sock, unit, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But yes, right. it absolutely does. Yeah, I tend feel. to still just get like the almost like this weird like betrayal feeling if i mm-hmm. even go down that path uh it's important to note that both names were unclassified years ago mm-hmm. uh, i think after uh obama came out and kind of said it all along with yep. biden they they said not i'm not going politics it's just the truth they they, yep. they mentioned a lot of names in some of their speeches and so socom was forced to unclassify these names and uh you know now everybody knows them Yep. Um, but while we're on that topic, you know, is there any uh, particular uh, story uh, or situation that comes to mind um, hanging out in the special operations community that's, uh, that goes down the line of, you know, managing a, a, a crisis, you know, but whether it was for your guys or for yourself, a situation where, you know, you're probably caught off guard, but you managed to get through it. Because you're a seasoned, experienced guy, you've leveraged your training. What 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 initially pops in your mind um, in your experience? Like some, it could be bad. It could be just bad luck. You know, you name it. What what do you got? Well, you know, um, man, it, it, as soon as you asked that, the gears started turning. Yeah. Because you know, we didn't rehearse this. I didn't have like notes to. <laughs> but there's been so many of those, and I think the first thing that goes through most guys minds is is a moment of pause you know like size up the situation yeah and that's the first thing it's like hmm all right this isn't going as planned <laughs> yeah. and then you know and then coming up with uh, a contingency plan even if it's not uh ideal um 
and some require haste and some of course you've got a little bit more time to to digest whatever it was you have to unfuck but uh let me see. Uh, do you want a you want a specific one? I'm trying to think of a specific one, like where you have to go into contingency planning mode quickly. Um, um, I, I mean, there's more in training than in like real world stuff. Oh no, no, no. There's a uh, there's a couple real world ones where. Um, <laughs> why one just popped into my head? All right, but 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 it, but it actually went. It actually uh, panned out. Um, this is. Um, Piffwick hits. I'm going to be a little vague, you know what I mean? It's okay. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, person's indicted for war crimes. Uh, w- there was one guy we were going after, and it, we rehearsed for about a year on this one guy. <laughs> and the, the, the TTPs I had developed, you know, this was my baby. Right. So I was very excited to see this uh, tactic, technique, procedure uh, um, in full play. Uh and it ended up that we did this hit broad daylight, 1230 in the afternoon. So the key was to hide in broad, to hide in broad daylight, basically, you know, because if you, if you try to, if you're, if you're being sneaky, you're going to look sneaky. Mm-hmm. But if you're just hiding in broad daylight, you know, nobody's, nobody's really aware. And that's what we did with this one. So, it was, you know, tr- uh, track suits, leather jackets, body odor, unshaven, this kind of shit. And um, we were setting up this ambushite with cars rolling by and we were actually posing as people working, you know, it's like street workers, chipping ice and stuff like that. Because nice. when we went up to on the ambush site, guys were doing that. They were actually doing they were chipping ice and they they thought we were relief. Well, damn, man, what a stroke of luck that was. So we just pulled them off the side, said, hey, go down here, smoke these cigarettes and we just took their tools and started getting, kept chipping ice. Uh, nice. And we're setting up this ambush site, and there's a lot going on. There's several moving pieces and parts. Um, so we're, we're, we're uh, blocking traffic a quarter mile down that way, a quarter mile up this way. Meanwhile, our, um, our uh, uh, HVT, we're letting him through, but he doesn't know, you know what's going on. And um, it, this came down to seconds. You know, so imagine planning uh, this thing for a year and it came down to literally like um, a window of plus or minus two seconds. Damn. Uh, And then 10 seconds prior to this guy coming through, a cop car rolls through. Now, we had devices on this bridge, you know, uh, but it was very benign to the everyday person. And I'm peeking through the guardrail. I mean, just a slit of my eyeball. And I have a balaclava down over my face. And and all I could see is just just the cars and the drivers going through. And all right, car, this is get the last one. All right, last car is coming through now. And it's a cop car. And he slows down. And he's checking out. He, he sees something is wrong. And we're going, oh, my God. This is a contingency we didn't plan for. This is going to scoot everything up. Uh-huh. And he kept driving. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. But then, um, so the, uh, the hit went down real fast. It was like a minute and 30 seconds after a year of planning, right? So on, on target, about a minute and 30 seconds. Last minute, we brought a guy with us, an officer who had just been assigned. He'd just come across the hall, just been assigned uh, to a Sabre squadron. 
and we were adamantly opposed to him doing this, but command wanted him to get some, you know, on the ground time mm -hmm. in, in the leadership mode. <laughs> and uh, adamantly opposed to it. it. Good guy. Nonetheless, he did not rehearse with us. And he was just spazzing out like crazy. The hit was just finishing and he assaults the pin, the pin car. He assaults the pin, the pin vehicle. Right. Our guys. But he doesn't know it's our guys. He doesn't know because he wasn't part of the planning. And he's oh, like boy. smashing, he's smashing the window and AR in the face. And they're going, Hey bro, um, we're one of you. So yeah. But that, that, that was one where <clears throat> we didn't have to go into contingency planning, but it was so close, you oh, know. Yeah. Um, but there's yeah. a more in training, more, more of them. Because, you know, and I was explaining, I did a podcast yesterday. I was explaining to this guy. He he was very he he really didn't understand military and stuff like that and and he was saying you know uh, uh asking questions about um you know when were you most nervous and i said dude you know i, I think that most special ops guys we we train for worst case scenarios so in in uh combat deployments combat operations and eh, there's not you know I mean, there's nothing that we haven't seen before except for the two-way shooting range. Everything else we're able to compartmentalize, mm -hmm. you know, because we're all hardwired the same. And as I'm telling him this, I'm saying, bro, it's really not that big of a deal. It's a big deal to you, but to us in the special ops community, it's it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah, and he couldn't, he couldn't, yeah, yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't wrap his head around that. But uh, yeah, yeah. So more, more snafus and training, definitely. And, you know, and it, 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 they would happen in stuff like Idris, big exercises where you're graded. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, the bottom just fell out and we're going to fail this Idri and let's split the force and get two guys and run over this mountain and drag a freaking Akio through the snow. And, you know, so <laughs> all the time in, in training that crap happened. But uh, yeah, I, I think. I, you make Go good ahead. points, right? I mean, that's where training in for, for listeners out there and HVT is a high value target and Pifwicks are basically, you know, these, these, these bad guys that haven't been captured yet that did a bunch of illegal stuff during a war. Um, and so I think, I think it's awesome dressing up like dirty Europeans and yeah. uh, <laughs> going out and getting it done in broad daylight. And who would have thought, you know, I, I guess there was some language capability there. If you're able to tell the guys to go, go smoke some cigarettes, we're going to take yep. over with your tools. Yeah. Yeah. That, we learned, we learned, cool. um, like I, I know, I still know several lines in Serbo Croatian, Croatian, you know, like Rukin the Glado, Izadji Izalto, shit that I can't use out there. Like, you know, yeah. put your hands on your head and get out of the car. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Nekretai. Yeah, I, Don't move. Nekretai. Yeah. That's cool. I, yeah. I've got some key Arabic ones like door, door, you know, like it's basically yeah. just, just short for chest. Get on your chest. You know, I don't right. even want to, I don't even want to try and pronounce the rest. Right. Um, but yeah, that's good stuff. A cop coming, 5-0. And as, as anybody knows, foreign intel, law enforcement, I mean, these are all still considered bad guys for mm -hmm. us when we're trying to get work done, without a doubt. So uh, yeah, that had to have been a little nerve-wracking. And then the other highlight is training for a year for a minute, 30 seconds. I mean, yeah. that is that is the story of special operations, right? I yep. mean, we train, yep. train, train, train for sometimes just seconds and uh to make a difference that sometimes huge differences seconds can make a right. huge difference you know globally right. it's mm -hmm. a it's a pretty amazing community to be a part of and uh you have days you miss it 
Uh, I, so I have this conversation a lot. Yeah. I've been retired since 05, and I right. still, to this day, at least once a week, have it's sort of a recurring dream. A moment. That I've been recalled, you know? Yeah. Or that uh, that um, that I'm somehow able to enlist for just a two year stint, just two years. Yeah, and it's a recurring dream, and and the dream continues that you know I'm so happy to be back. I'm a little bit slower, you know, and the guys are kind of making fun of me, all the young studs, <laughs> and then I don't know what the equipment is. I'm like, what is this freaking new gadget? Uh, and they're all, and then I don't know what chalk I'm on as far as like helo lift. I'm like, hey, come on, guys, don't fuck with me, bro. I, what, which bird am I on? <laughs> but it's always the same. It's always the same dream, you know, where I'm just a little bit behind, but they're happy I'm there. Um, and you know, yeah, I miss it like freaking crazy. And I tell you what, man, if they uh, if they started up a reserve unit. I'll be knocking at the door. Yeah, I bet. I, I would have to argue with you about you being slower than the new guys. Uh, you stay on, <laughs> you stay on top of your skill set, pretty damn good. I'd say better than most. I know you're better than me. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah, that that's. Uh, I have the same moments. I um, I go back and forth. I think you know the big thing is just the guys, right? I think we all know that it's the yep. like minded, the camaraderie. Uh, dudes that get it right. I mean, it's uh, it's tough. It, it, the civilian side is fun, and cool, and it's been great. But finding people that actually get it, you know, it's uh, but, it's hard. Yeah. So you know, you're a career guy like I am, and you were in the same unit for a long freaking time. And and I explain this to people. It, it, I was on. It was maybe a couple years ago, and somebody was saying, "Hey, what about um, you know bringing like special ops type of leadership training to the." Uh, uh, what's it called? The um, commercial world, you know? And, yeah. And how can it, how can you replicate that kind of mindset? I said, bro, you can't, man, you can't, you, you, you develop when you're, when you're in the same unit, working with the same guys for years at a time, you develop a relationship with this individual that is, it's, it's, it's very authentic. And it's, um, I mean, you're closer to these guys than you are with your wife yeah <laughs> you've no seen doubt. them at their absolute absolute best absolute highs and absolute worsts absolute lows you've seen them elated you've seen them scared and you've there's times when you looked across at them and you went holy and you're looking into their soul and they're doing mm -hmm. the same back to you and you're saying to yourself yeah this probably won't hurt that much and you know they're saying the same thing you know looking <laughs> yeah. back at you so it's an intimacy that you cannot replicate anywhere else I mean, it's intimate, you know, that kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. So I, and I still have, when I have these dreams, a few of those guys are in the dreams as well. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. bet. Yeah. I have those same moments and it's, uh, I, I, I know I, I agree the corporate world wants all the experiences from us, mm -hmm. uh, and somehow turn their workforce into a big fighting machine that make, that just, you know, turns money right day, yeah. you know, every <laughs> second. Um, but you're right. The reality is there's a big weed out process first. So if you really did it right, you wouldn't have 85% uh, of your workforce left by the time we got done with you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so certain things apply, certain things don't. Um, but the weed out, the attrition to finally get to the point where you're with the guys that you're right, you're, you can get that intimate with and get involved in, you know, God, it's everything, right? It's at work, mm -hmm. after work. I mean, it's it's a yep. it's a lifestyle brotherhood of brotherhood that can't be replicated anywhere else. Yep. Um, 
Now I know shifting gears a little bit and staying with the theme of, uh, you know, survival. Um, I remember when I was out there with you, you told me, I'd, I'd asked you about, you know, Hey Pat, when was the last time you were in a fight and you were taught, you told me a great story, man. I want you to re- kind of repeat it here is you're at a concert Yep. And yeah, some guy decided, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, you already look kind of like, all right, that's the kind of guy. He, he's got the look, a look that says, <laughs> don't fuck with him. Um, but yeah, retell me that story and how you handled it. I, th- I think it's a great <laughs> for lessons learned for people out there. Well, so um, it was a Slayer concert, Slayer Lamb of God. So Lamb of God was on first, Slayer came nice. up next. I brought my wife with me and I don't do anything anymore unless I'm... Um, buying first class tickets or you know good seats yeah you know i'm, I'm done with the nosebleed section uh plus there's for the sake of security you know yeah. it's 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 it, you're more secure that way because there's more outs you know when i'm that close to stage i've got to exit over there and exit over there and then two right behind me and i'm not going to be caught in all of the muck mm. um so we're we're enjoying the show and we're in, you know, we're in the first class section, you know, we're down right close to the stage and uh, a party of drunkards kept coming down the aisle and you, you know, they're coming from the nosebleeds and they kept messing with this security guard. He's just some kid, you know, he's probably 21 mm-hmm. and he's about 120 pounds soaking wet with a shirt on that says security and he's got Ray Bans on. And they kept messing with him. He's on the gate, so so that way nobody passes the gate, you know, into like the uh, uh, the the stage because we're just beyond the the VIP section. So he's blocking the VIP section, and um, and they kept messing with him. And I'm looking around at others because now I'm building I'm building assets because I'm about to intervene. So mm-hmm. I'm looking around and I can see guys going, you know, rolling their eyes and. Cause he's disrupting this, this stuff. And, and, uh, so I tell him once I say, Hey, get move back. And, and the security guard tells him, Hey, push back that way. And they do. And, but they come back down. Um, and he's in this kid's face. I mean, right in his face. Now I have to intervene. Mm-hmm. So I, I grab him just by his chest and right under his, uh, 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 neck. And I push him back. I just give him a big shove and he, falls backwards and he takes a couple steps backwards and he's with his three buds and i step into the aisle and i'm sweating my ass off i got my shirt off i mean i've been head banging i've been you know like rocking i do not want this show messed up for me and they start approaching they start closing the gap and i go ah nope nope nope, nope, nope. i go into my hands up mode my yeah uh my um you know non-threatening posture and um i said nope nope and I even told him, I said, trust me, bro. You don't want any of this. Trust mm-hmm. me. And I'm yelling it because it's loud. And he closes the gap and I, boom, one to him. And he fall. I mean, he fell faster than gravity. <laughs> you know I mean? Just <laughs> whoosh, sack of potatoes. Boom. But I didn't knock him out. He got right back up, took a couple steps back, uh, got with his buds. And they, now there's a massive fight because <laughs> oh, no. all of these assets, I'm like, yeah, whoosh, whoosh. There's fists everywhere. Now I'm trying to break up the fight that I started. <laughs> I don't want these guys to get kicked out, you know? Right. So uh, a couple more fists were thrown and then all the security comes down and they're, you know, quickly interrogating us and everybody's saying, no, 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 he's good. He didn't start it. He had his hands up. 
these guys started it and it was it was over just like that they said all right just yeah enjoy the show more with special operator pat mcnamara after the break and for more episodes with badass combat vets like pat don't forget to browse the Can You Survive This podcast archives on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Who would have thought, you know, in our older years, you'd still have to face the idiots on the planet. And I think that's what people forget, right? They get a little older and they think, oh, I don't need to go to the gym. Oh, I don't need to do any of that stuff. I'm retired now. Yep. But it's uh, it's really, I mean, threats are everywhere at any given time. And uh that's one of the skills you covered in the book is hands up, right? Yep. Get in that mm -hmm. de-escalation mode um, and putting your hands up or whatever it is, you got to train to it, right? So let's yep. talk about it. You got your hands up means, hey, I'm, I don't want any trouble, but I'm ready to fight, right? Exactly. When I do that, boom, when I put the hands up, um, there's a light switch that goes off in my head. That yeah. means game on if you close, if you close the gap, game on. Right. Um, I've made that as soon as I do this, boom, nope. And I do that. There is a decision has been made. Red light, green light. You I am not going to approach. I am not going to. Mm -hmm. I am not going to be the aggressor. I want to de-escalate if I can. And I am going to give you every opportunity not to get your ass kicked. Yeah. Every single one. But I've already got the advantage. My hands are up. Bah, 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 bah. And I have liability now because people are seeing. So even if I did get punched out, I'm an innocent victim, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. because I'm, I'm going, ah, um, but as soon as they enter that zone and, and the, and if you box a lot, spar a lot, you become very, very familiar with that zone because you've been punched in the face so many times. Yeah. So that zone becomes this, this space of awareness where somebody enters it. That's your property. You own that real estate and this is mine. This is my, you just invaded my personal property which is my space. This is property. I own this, this right. little chunk of land around me. So I am going to defend it and I am going to be ferocious. You know, I'm going to strike with precision, with, uh, um, with spontaneity, with aggressiveness and with lethality. It's going to hurt really, really bad. Uh, and then you usually every time, every time it's happened, they all go, everyone, you know, cause you have to get ready for a number three or something like that, or a, a knee to the chest or a clinch. Yeah. But every single guy's gone down with a one and a two, boom, boom. Every single one of them. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's, um, it's that Bruce Leeism of, uh, I don't, I'm paraphrasing. I don't fear the man who knows 10,000 things one way, but the man who knows one thing and can use it 10,000 ways. Right. But you know, that's been. I have probably five primary tools and I work them all of the time, all of the time. Um, and I, and I remember getting that lesson from my wrestling coach, um, in high school, he said, uh, Patrick, if you practice a move a thousand times, you'll be able to use it in every match. Mm -hmm. And mine was the, um, uh, throwdown fireman's carry throwdown. Oh yeah. And, and, and it even had a backup. If the guy sprawled, I go into a dump. <clears throat> but when I was in my senior year of high school, I got a takedown record and it was that move because in the summer I practiced that move at the, uh, at the college with the college uh, wrestling team. So proof is in the pudding, you know, I mean, yeah. because now it's like, 
almost a um, an intuitive level driven task because you've done it so many freaking times you know right, right initially you think about it you think about it think about it cognitive thought until you don't have to think about it and then it just becomes a subconscious level or intuitive level driven task yeah and that's that's that muscle memory piece right yep. i mean you're <laughs> you're training i i get you get i know you get asked the question all the time so do i What's the martial art I should do? What should I go? <laughs> where, where do I learn how to fight? What do I, mm-hmm. And it's for me, I, I'm always telling people, like, look, it's it's not about the art as much as it is about the moves and then picking the ones that you are good at and mastering them, right? Yep. Mastering the basics is what makes you advanced. I think we've learned that being at national level commands. It's not that we are being taught any kind of special ninja shit. We mm-hmm. just master the basics, you know, and you master those to the point where they become muscle memory. And all of a sudden now, yeah, you kind of look like a ninja, you act like a ninja, but it's not because you were taught some secret stuff. It's because you just broke down the basics and made them, uh, and just part of you. And Mm -hmm. now you can pull them off at any given time, regardless of the threat. Uh, the one, two, it's one of the other skills you covered. So that's a jab with a cross, right? So Mm -hmm. you're, are you right or left-handed? Right, right-handed. Now, do you train both South and you got a South? A a, a little bit and probably not as much as I should. Yeah. And, and this is a, uh, it's a fault of mine that I, I, uh, that I, um, encourage people to do. I said, you know, we guys are notorious for practicing what we are good at. Mm -hmm. So we should. You get outside of that box and practice shit that we suck at. Yeah. So I do a lot of bilateral stuff, left side, right side, especially in the sh- in shooting. Um, I don't practice both sides as much as I should, uh, and and but I'm aware of that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I, a great I, point. Being ambidextrous is such a great skill to have, and yep. supposedly you know it's a brain thing, right? It's if you can force yourself to do it, you're actually giving your brain an advantage. You yep. get a vis- physical advantage out of it, but you're actually opening up some pathways in your head yep. that uh, aren't there by just sticking with one side. Yeah, because um, you're, you're exercising the uh, poetic lobe of your brain, you know, the creative side. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, you, when, when, you, when you work, you're, even if you're like signing your name or learning to write with your support side, with your, you know, your weak hand, Yeah, you're, you're still exercising that po- poetic versus the analytical side, and it makes... You know, there's there's some crossover there. Yeah, makes the other side work better. Create some pathways. Yeah, <clears throat> that's cool stuff. Now you, we're talking about guns, and I've been saying it. I'm going to continue saying it just so people take it seriously. Is that this is the year of the active shooter? We've already seen mm-hmm. over a hundred mass shootings here in the United States. We're on our way to having a record year because people have been cooped up in their houses. You know, substance abuse on the rise. Relationships mm-hmm. went south. Mental health is out of whack. A lot of reasons. All the reasons why people grab a gun and shoot people are at a, are heightened you know they're mm-hmm. exacerbated right now because of pandemic uh isolation um guns i know you get this question a lot but because this is a whole new group of listeners what what do you recommend as far as being prepared for that uh that mass shooting um well it it definitely doesn't start with the gun right you have to keep your wits about you stay situationally aware uh and then also keep in mind that 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 moment of pause even if it's like two seconds might do you some good instead Mm. of like for instance running with the sheeple because the sheeple don't have a good course of action they're following other sheeple yeah so you know sometimes you have to think is this the best course do i run with all the sheeple or do i seek cover or maybe take a perpendicular uh route 
away from this scene versus because what, what's what's not saying that they're they're trying to make you go that way right right <laughs> they're trying to corral you into this into this position but the other thing is mobility equals survivability it's hard to shoot a moving target mm-hmm. don't you know stay stationary and then cover you have to consider cover like terrain use it to the best of your ability until you find better cover yeah because you don't want to get hunkered down behind cover uh and uh i would say only only carry if you're if you if you're if you're trained um, there's I am I am adamant not adamantly opposed, but I am opposed to people carrying, especially open carrying, if they have no uh, training because now they're more of a liability than they are an asset. Yeah, um, no you doubt. know a, a guy who's open carrying is he's basically has a sign in his chest that says I am untrained, I don't know how to fight, I don't know how to shoot, uh, I have a gun, so if you are unarmed and you have bad intentions, here come and get mine. That's yeah. what open carry says to me. Right. I see it open yeah. Carry. Uh, but if you are trained, you need to be carrying wherever the law permits. You know, I, I think if you, if you are really good, I tell people like with me, um, a guy who shoots a pistol as well as me, it should be against the law for me not to carry into a mall or, you know, a venue <laughs> yeah. like that. I would agree I, with I that. Should, <laughs> yeah. I should be, yeah. I should be freaking chastised, man. Um, That's right. And, so, yeah, just the best way to get out of a bad situation is don't get, get there in the first place. So when it yeah. comes to mass shootings and stuff like that, you know, uh, and don't ignore intuition. It's a gift we're all born with, but we kind of relinquish those primal skills of ours, you know, uh, and then, um, you know, quickly, quickly size up the situation quickly. But haste makes waste. <laughs> That's right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you just think run with the sheeple, uh, it's not only the best, not always the best recourse, you know, it, it, it might work, mm-hmm. but that, uh, that's not what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Th- those are all just in- awesome points. I think I agree. You can't start with the gun. People think, oh, right. there's mass shooting. I'm going to go buy a gun or mm-hmm. home defense. They think buy a gun when the reality yep. is there's, there's perimeters. There's, there's so much more than the gun should be the last resort. Right. And, um, I agree. Distance, right? Distance from the shooter increases survivability. Make sure you're identifying those routes and cover before anything ever happens so that you know exactly what your outs are. And then the sheeple, right? Sheep people. Um, And that (laughs) is acknowledging the fact that we are all mammals and we have the mammalian reflex. So when a herd of people go running by, your natural instinct is to run with them, Mm -hmm. but isn't necessarily the right direction. And uh, you and I both know that shots fired indoors is much different than shots fired outdoors. Short mm-hmm. Shots indoor are omnidirectional. You can't tell where the shots came from. Right. And mm-hmm. so what happens is in some of these active shooting scenarios, people inadvertently run towards gunfire because they think they are running away from it. Away from it. And so to piggyback on your point, you've got to take that two seconds. You've got to look, listen, feel. Mm-hmm. Trust your eyes more than your ears in those situations. Look for the bad guy. Identify that where exactly they are and make sure you're going the right direction. Those are all awesome mm-hmm. points, Pat. Um, shifting gears a little bit more here. Yep. Um, tell us about, I think I've, you sent me your book uh, several, I think it's been years now, a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. 
Um, it should be out there more often in people's faces. Let's talk, let's talk about your book, you know, the Sentinel kind of mindset and, Mm -hmm. and everything you put into that. Yeah. So, um, I can't remember when I wrote that, but it's, it's funny because it's so relative today, especially in 2020, it became very, very relative and, um, it's a little bit outdated. So I'm, I'm really hoping to do a redo. Okay. Because I have stuff in there about, you know, like phone booths and carrying quarters with you and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. yeah. Cool. Old school. And, and you know, and, and my cybersecurity is outdated on there as well. But uh yeah. So um it, it, it came as kind of an epiphany moment. I was training um some um uh, Marsat guys and one of them said, Hey, can you write down a bunch of notes for me on uh uh protection? Yeah. And I said, sure, yeah. And uh, when I went back home, um, I started jotting down notes. And and then it came as an epiphany that, you know what? This is shit that I do still nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not on an executive protection detail. I do these things now for my family. So I got to thinking, kept typing and typing it. And I, and, and I typed for about 17 hours straight. Just idea, just 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 throwing ink on the paper. You know what I mean? Just banging it out. I could cut and paste later. (laughs) You know, I could drag and drop later, but right now let me just throw this shit down. And after like 17 hours, I had like 50, 60 pages. Yeah. And I went, Holy shit, man. I know a lot of stuff. There's a lot of crap up there (laughs) in the, in the data bank. And I was accessing it. And, um, and, uh, I realized that, man, this is good information for everyday Joe, you Mm -hmm. know, how to be the agent in charge of your own executive protection detail. So you take what EP does, which for the audience members that don't know this, a lot of us special ops guys get tagged on freaking executive protection. Mm -hmm. Shitty, shitty freaking job. I, you know, as I retired, people have offered me, Hey, can you do EP for so-and-so? And And it's a hundred thousand dollars for a week. I'm like, Nope. Yep. No, (laughs) hell no. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever it is, you know, some exorbitant price tag. I'm like, Nope. Um, but, um, so you take what an executive protection detail does, which it's that work is exhausting. You know, if you take Cooper's color code from white to red, white zombie mode, red fighting for your life, these guys are in the yellow to orange, non freaking stop, man. You know, days on end. Yeah. Uh, and you're living in somebody's hip pocket and it's not, it's not glamorous. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of work. You are working your freaking ass off. You are traveling in front of them to do advances. And then the advanced checklist, it's like three pages long. You're making comms with hospitals, with police chiefs, with uh, airports, um, with restaurants, because, you know, your job isn't just a, it's, it's not gunslinging. It's keeping him from um, embarrassing himself even. Yeah. You know, I remember one of when I was on one uh, uh, um, protecting an ambassador, uh, he, he had pooped himself. Hmm. And I was Poop. like, bro, nobody's going to know this, man. I got him into a port of John. It was in uh, Tuzla, Eagle Base. And I said, strip your freaking pants off and we're just going to throw these underwear away. <laughs> Nobody's going to know, Brown, you know, but, but that was my job. You know, yeah. he had a, he was real nervous. Uh, and he freaking, he, so, mm. uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, I was going to say getting, getting these guys coffee is, you know, right. Is, 
Yeah, you're yeah. wiping asses. That's uh, right, right. Yeah. yeah. You're getting you're getting your RN award on that one. Yep, yep. But uh, so you know, you take and you take what an EP does. So the the advance, the motorcade, the lead car, the follow car, the limo, the um, the embassy. You know, the fortress, the uh, advances, and 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 you work it at a micro level. So now you're one person. Let's say you're the the father of a family, mm-hmm. and you've got kids. All they're they're all you they're your precious cargo, they're your principal. Mm-hmm. And when you're driving, you're the limo driver. You're also by you're also the lead and the follow car driver. And uh, you know, when you enter a restaurant, you're the advance force. You're just doing it on the fly. You're scanning yeah. real quick, checking where the emergency exits are. You know, you're scanning the parking lot real quick. You're not doing this like you're not trying to, you know, look like some kind of freaking uh armchair commando you're doing it discreetly but all that stuff is happening you know just on this minute level and uh uh i think the one thing i talk about in more chapters than one is just having your wits about you you know being situationally aware just being switched on because if i'm with my family i'm i'm in the yellow Mm. if i'm out and about i'm in the yellow it's not freaking you know like dark yellow into orange but i'm always in the yellow it's permissive the only time i'm in the white is when i'm at home yeah you know, in my even here even here i'm not in the white because uh i've got a door closed so i've got you know three loaded <laughs> guns right here i've got comms up there's cameras you know stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah but uh you know it's permissible for me to be in the white when i'm in my recliner watching my flat screen tv with a glass of bourbon yeah um, there we go i'm in chill, I'm in chill mode Right. But yeah, it's a it's a cool little book. It's an easy read. A lot of good lessons because there's um, there's driving, there's working out, there's fighting, there's shooting, there's advanced stuff, there's uh, some rough scenarios, there's uh, a lot of military type of isms like you know five point contingency plan and um, troop leading procedures and how you could uh, apply those to everyday scenarios. You know, so yeah, it, it's yeah. it's fun. Yeah, I thought it was uh, really well-rounded. I find myself, too, where it's a lot, you know, like 100 Deli Skills, where you can kind of open it up anywhere in the book and learn something new. You know, you don't have right. to read it you right. know, from, from cover to cover, mm-hmm. um, which is always good for guys like us, right? Kind of, right. yeah, we need the, the easy, kind of simple way <laughs> sometimes yep. in order to get the, to oh, get the yeah. message. Um, yeah. Okay. So where can people find your book? How can people sign up for your course? I want to get all that knocked out before I put you through this scary scenario. Um, so I am at TMAX Inc. So every, uh, both my IG, my website is TMAX Inc. T-M-A-C-S-I-N-C. Yeah. And you could pretty much find out everything uh, off of those two because everything's linked there. My combat strength training, the University of Badassery, uh, book stuff, um, everything. Yeah. Almost, almost everything is right there under TMAX yeah. Inc. Yeah. yeah. You got a lot of cool stuff going on and I know that, um, it's not difficult to find Pat. Just, you just right. Google him and you, then you will find his ecosystem of badassery. <laughs> You're listening to, can you survive this podcast? Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. More with Special Operator Pat McNamara after the break. All right, so 
Now it's time to put you through this uh, hypothetical survival scenario. Okay. I'll be asking you questions and there'll be a A or B uh, answer response. The only right ones are the ones that uh, my producers came up with. (laughs) (laughs) But um, let's just go ahead and get started. All right. Right It's nighttime. You're relaxed at home, recliner, flat screen, bourbon, (laughs) in a remote location, alone, life is good, not a care in the world, white zone, right? Meanwhile, several miles away, one of your buddies from the unit, we'll just name him Jim, uh, is using an ATM machine. Jim needs some cash to change into dollar bills. Hmm. (laughs) Suddenly, he gets... Hit over the head by an attacker from behind. And then there's a little bit of a scuffle. Okay? I know what you're thinking right now, right? So you're going to jump in your car and you're going to go to his rescue, go to his aid. But instead, Mm -hmm. I know that that's something you would do, but you're not going to need to rescue Jim. Okay? Because Jim is uh, putting on the brakes right in front of your house right now. You hear a car come to a screeching halt. Yep. Uh, and uh, you're thinking to yourself, what the hell? All I wanted to do was drink my bourbon tonight. Um, and a quote, quote from Stephen J. Daniels. You're probably familiar with this quote. All of a sudden pops in your mind. A good friend will help you move. A true friend will help you move a body. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jim is, uh, he's panicking a little to say the least. And, uh, the guy that tried to kill him at the ATM machine, well, let's just say things went horribly bad for that guy because he's like you, he's a prepared guy. And even when surprised, he can take care of himself. Jim pops the trunk. There lies the attacker's body. All right. And at this point, um, you can't turn Jim away. You're going to help him. You've known each other for years. Plus, you're feeling a little tipsy and risky with the bourbon running through your blood. So first question, do you A, get the body out of the trunk and start to strip it down of all its clothes and personal items, or B, move the vehicle around back to a more discreet location? Neither one of those would I do, but I would move the vehicle around back to a more discreet location, but neither one would I do. Okay, so we've got him on record. He's going to help you yep. if you have a body. Um, okay, right. <laughs> now now that you are in a more discreet position, good answer. Let me mark this down. So that's 10 right. points. 10 questions, 10 points. Okay, you just got to pass. 70, right. I think, is passing in most countries. You got 10. All right, good job. Um, so now that you are in a more discreet location, do you A, pull the body out, start to strip it down of its clothes, etc., or B, Tarp the ground because things could get messy. Well, once again, B. Neither one of those would I do, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick B out of those. Yes. yes, your attorney is sitting in the room. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, you've got the fucker out of the trunk, and uh, now you've stripped him down. Do you a grab a couple of fifty-gallon steel drums? Or B, grab your shovels and start digging. 
Oh, it depends what I'm going to put in those drums. I mean, I forgot the acid, you know, because if I, because if, if, oh my God. Yeah. All right. It's a tough one. Uh, ba- yes. So based on where this might be going, <laughs> I'm going to pick A on that one. 50 gallon, 50 gallon drums. You are doing so good, buddy. That is correct. <laughs> yes. Note, land and thermal burials are both possible. Mm. But in this situation, we want this guy gone. We want right. him to be dust. Right. So yeah, you're going to do a thermal burial. Uh, using steel drums. So good answer. I love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You've got the attacker crammed into one barrel and all personal belongings plus the tarp are also in there. Mm -hmm. Do you A, pour some gasoline in those barrels and get burning? Or B, wait, maybe you need something a little hotter. Yeah, I definitely need something hotter than gasoline ain't gonna do it. <laughs> Again, good. I think you've done this before. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a that is a good answer. All right. So that's right. You gotta get something hotter. So you're off to the private airstrip n- nearby, which I know there's a pri- there's an airstrip right there near you. Um yep. I did witness that. Uh so A, you drive up to the airstrip, find a small plane commandeer some jet fuel or b wait you're gonna pull off you need to you need to get some distance between you and the airport so you choose to go on foot so do you a just drive up to the airstrip and commandeer some jet fuel or wait a second we need to get some distance between us and our next action of grabbing fuel uh yeah i'm I'm gonna achieve separation I'm, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some distance. Right. There's cameras everywhere these days. Right. So, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, you don't yep. want your license plates associated with this. Uh, right. right. This, yep. this very friendly act. I mean, you're doing yeah. something for your buddy. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. All right. That Jim, I got to tell you, man, he's always up to <laughs> shenanigans. Nothing but shenanigans. Right. Which we all have buddies like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to opt for discretion here. We don't want any chance of the security cameras linking your vehicle back to uh, this uh, this acquisition of fuel. All right. right. Good answer. Man, You are, I, yeah, I'm pretty much sold that you've had to do this a couple times. <laughs> All right. So you've pulled off the road discreetly, keeping your vehicle some distance away from the airstrip. Um, you approach the air tr- airstrip on foot with discretion. It, are you A... Find a small plane and try and pry the fuel door open so Jim can siphon the fuel. (laughs) Or B, take a moment, right, and find a fuel truck, A or B. Oh, the fuel truck would be so much easier than (laughs) siphoning. I I mean, way freaking easier. I mean, I think it's good to have Jim do that and choke on right. some fuel, but, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. yeah but, you know, siphon regular gasoline isn't that bad, but if but he gets a mouthful of JP4, that's going to jack him up. Oh, yeah. That's that's a bad day. Um, okay. <clears throat> Good job once again. You're going to want to not mess with the aircraft. Um, it's easier, obviously, to pilfer your fuel from a fuel truck. Mm-hmm. A lot easier. Um, so you get the fuel. You're heading back. Upon your return, it's about 3.30 a.m., right? Mm. Um, once you're back, you're standing in front of your, st- your steel drums. Do you, A, start burning that body, or B, head to more of a desolate rural location with your jet fuel and your steel drum? Well, especially since it's 3.30 in the morning, 
um, that that light signature, that fire, is going to be. I, it, it's going to draw um, anybody in like moths to a flame. Yeah. So I'm going to head to a more discreet location, and um, because who knows by then there might be a little bit of light too. Yeah. Granted, you know, granted I'll be compromising myself because people could see me, but they won't see the fire for miles away either. Damn. It's almost <laughs> as if somebody gave you this scenario ahead of time uh, <laughs> because yes, ding, ding, ding. Desolate location is key. You're in the home stretch now. All right. So, right. uh, you're doing right. good. You're doing good. Um, okay. Home stretch. You wait until about 5.30 a.m. to light it up, or you already answered this, or do you just start right. burning? Right. So, yeah, I'm going to wait. I'm yeah. going to wait once again until there's a little bit of uh, ambient light. Yep. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. This method is going to put off a significant, count of, a significant amount of smoke, mm -hmm. um, so more easily spotted during the day. But it also is going to have this bright burning light right. that's easily spotted at night. So 5.30 a.m. may give you that sweet spot. It's not too dark. It's not too light. It'll minimize the visibility and the signature of both smoke and flame. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, uh, you nailed it without me even going over cool. that part. Look at you. Cool. All right. Now that you're cooking, right, literally, yep. <laughs> um, you're going to A, wait a couple of more hours while the content of the drums burn the drum burns or b get the hell out of there bro i have to wait man i mean i have to <laughs> <laughs> I, it sucks that i'm gonna have to wait but i have to wait i gotta make sure this thing for jim you know for jim it's for and jim. i can't just say hey jim you stay here i'm going home that's right. Because I don't trust Jim right now, man. Jim's made some really bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm part of this thing. He drugged me into it. So, oh, yeah. Jim, I'm freaking Damn, hanging Jim. out, man. Yep. Mm. Jim is uh, definitely a liability. I got well, six o'clock. You got 12. That's right, man. <laughs> All right. So you're going to wait. That's correct. Because jet fuel, um, you got to achieve a desired temperature of about 1400 degrees Fahrenheit in order to burn femurs and molars. So that takes roughly two hours. Um, so yeah, you're good. Right answer. Once again, man, you got cool. this going on. All right. It's been a couple of hours. The flames died down. You ensure that the femurs and molars are now dust, and you head back to your home. Mm -hmm. All right. So do you, uh, A, send Jim on his way never to speak again, or B, double-check, make sure that there's no evidence or materials that were left behind in the trunk of the car, um, anywhere near where you put the body, the drums, anywhere. you got to burn, clean, and bleach as necessary. Yep. Go with B. Have to do B. that. I got to. I got to cover. I got to cover all of those uh, steps right there. Because damn man, once again, I'm involved. <laughs> yep. Get rid of all evidence. Right. No yep. body. No crime. You've done a yep. good job. So yeah, let's go back over. You did. Uh, you got ten out of ten, man. You got a hundred. I think Ooh. you are the first guy to get that uh, uh, in uh, interviews thus far. So all right. Awesome job, Pat. You are right on. A, a true, uh, what was the movie with Wolf? We got to call Wolf. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, pulp, pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, pulp Fiction. You are yeah, Wolf. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, good. I was thinking about that when you said Jim pulled up in front of my house. I'm like, hey, <laughs> yeah. do I have a sign in my front yard that says blank? 
Right. Yeah. Yep. And yep. then most recently, John Wick. Who was the guy? What was the name of that company? The guys that come up and oh, clean up everything right, for right, a couple right. of gold yeah, coins. Yeah. 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 So you have proven to be a pro for that. I think you have a job um, with any of those guys at any given time. Because uh, yeah, score of one hundred. Um, man, it was great talking to you, Pat. I appreciate you being on the show. As mentioned before, you can check out Pat at all of his known websites. I mean, he's got uh, T-Max Inc. all over the place, easily found. Once again, you Google him, you won't have any issues finding him. His squad, which is a, a great educational program he's got going. Uh, yeah. What I feel like is, you know, taking people to the next level, giving them skills that people used to know years ago, right? You're mm-hmm. kind of giving them the things that they need these for, for today's world. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us That's about that. That's called the uh, the Pat Mac Keep the Blaze Alive coaching squad on there Patreon. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Patreon. So all of these links can be found at any of his websites or social media platforms. Yep. Pat, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming on here. I do appreciate mm-hmm. it, man. Clint, always a pleasure working with you on these projects, my man. You're you're a lot of fun, and I uh, appreciate the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, and remember, everyone out there, you know, you can get this interview on the iHeart app, where uh, all of our previous season shows exist. You can get it at Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can get it at the YouTube channel. Um, make sure you listen, share, like, comment across the board. And remember, just keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. All right, Pat. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, until next time, take care out there. Bam. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.